You're listening to Very Loose Women. Oh, hi. <laughs> I was expecting some uh, dulcet turns of Tom Jones. I'm sure that'll come up oh. later on. Don't worry about it. Um, so, good evening, listeners. You're listening to Very Loose Women. Uh, this is our last show of the season, which has come around very quickly. It's also Freddie, our engineer's last show. So, hi, Freddie. Thank you, Freddie. And it's my last show, which is very strange. So, obviously, we wanted to start with a gripe of the season. A chance to have a big moan. So who's got a big moan today? You know what? I wrote down a gripe, but like my gripe is that you're moving to Glasgow. That's that's yeah, my main gripe. gripe. I, I wrote Vox Pops one. in the Rain. Who cares about Vox Pops in the Rain when you're moving to Glasgow? So that's I think that's everyone's gripe to be honest. Paula Paula, is that your gripe? So I have one which is related <laughs> to the theme and it's I tried to have a threesome twice this month and I failed on both occasions. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that. There's always Bad next luck. time. Bad luck. What about you, Catherine? Um, my gripe is that after six years of having the same phone and not breaking it, I smashed it, um, sort of leaving a party and getting into a taxi on Saturday night. Obviously, no alcohol was involved at all. I went to bed, and then I had a really weird sex dream about Justin Bieber, my first ever. <laughs> and now I can't stop and thinking about And now you're Justin a believer. Bieber. Yeah, I can't st- I've listened to, like, all of his back catalogue. I just keep thinking about him all the time. This is <laughs> this is a really big gripe because it has a lot of ramifications for my life in future, I would say. Have you heard his version of Little Drummer Boy with Buster Rhymes? All about, you know, the Christmas hit. <laughs> That's a classic. <laughs> I mean, yes, I've come across that um, in the last few days. Well, so my gripe, and also I've got a good gripe and a celebration, and they're both, I've got two of each. Or, I don't know what that means, yeah, two. Um, my gripe slash celebration is that I'm moving to Glasgow, which is it a gripe or a celebration, I'm not 100% sure yet. Ask me in like two weeks and we'll see. And my other one is that today I was with a friend of mine who's got a very sweet little baby, and she was pushing her baby along the pram, we came across this like sweet old lady who was standing outside Hamleys and we thought we're going to go into Hamleys to have a look at some toys. So we passed this sweet old lady and my friend smiled at her and she said, up your fucking fanny. So I found that really funny <laughs> and we all found it really funny. Baby loved it. Um, and I don't know if that's a gripe or, or a celebration because I think maybe she recognised a kind of Scottish sense among us. Does that mean something of, different in Scotland? I just feel like fanny you're more likely to say in Scotland. Yeah. The, Freddie the engineer is nodding along with me as a fellow Scot so yeah I really Does enjoyed it Does Fanny mean bum in Scotland or is that no, just America? No, no, no. <laughs> right. Front bum um, But yeah so I think that's also a bit of a mini celebration and I think you guys all have some celebrations as well so Leo? Yeah I do again feels underwhelming after that but um, I've been in the in the newsroom doing text stuff so like written, written stuff and uh, these are like people who've been journalists for you know good on 30 years uh, perhaps less than that. Maybe that was offensive to some. Um, but like they, they're very, what I'm saying is they're very, very good at what they do. And I would, wouldn't try and, you know, do better. Um, so I wrote a sentence and the editor told me that it was a very good sentence. I can't remember the exact phrasing that he used, but I was like, score. I'm, I, I was very happy with myself. Do you remember the sentence? I do. Out of context, it won't be. It was just succinct. <laughs> it was succinct and well put. The end. Um, yes. Okay, what about you, Paula? Well, I am moving to Brussels and I'm quite excited about it. Cool. And Catherine? Um, so I've actually handed in my notice at work um, because I'm going to start a course in September, um, which is in news journalism. So I'm really excited. So much so much change happening in this room. Um, so tonight we're going to be talking about sex drives. And I think before we, before we get started, let's have a little blast of Moose Tea and Tom Jones' sex bomb. 
classic of our time. Um, oh, that song really stands the test of time. It's an excellent number. Um, okay, so we're talking about sex drives. And the first question I want to ask everyone is, have you ever had a sex drive? And by that I mean a sexy car trip, vehicular sex or jeeping, as it is called in the film, Clueless. Um, anyone ever had sex in a car? And was it moving at the time? I've had a lot of sexy drives and, well, not sex whilst driving. That would be really dangerous. Um, but kind of sexual encounters in cars... Um, around cars, not dogging. I, I don't know if I, I've never called it jeeping, but yeah, I would say sex drive in the literal sense. I've. I've I mean, had. all sex is near cars because cars are ubiquitous. We can all argue that. I mean, all I, sex I, is near cars. I think that's a very bold claim. I mean, like there's camping never in the countryside further, near a car. Nev- never further than a meet away from a rat or something like that. that all kind sex of is near rats. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Um, no, mean? I mean, like in a car. Um, I find cars quite sexy, a bit like, you know, that stereotypical idea of, you know, the guy with the cool car, you kind of fancy, like, leader of the pack style. That, that um, would be a motorbike. We all know that's a motorbike in that motorbikes song. Motorbikes as well. Um, anyway, yeah, I, I have. Um, but at the moment, I have a parking space and no car. But that's not some kind of weird illusion. But, you know, there is an empty parking <laughs> space outside <laughs> my flat. And it makes me a bit sad that we don't have a car. That we can, you know, get in. (laughs) (laughs) All your neighbours would be, anyway. Not in the car park, surely. Okay. Um, Yeah, I don't think that I've ever really dated a driver. I don't date the kind of people who can drive. Like, that's not my type. (laughs) So, um, that's something that I've struggled with. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry, guys. What about you, Leah? I've never had sex in a vehicle of any kind. I have um, kissed someone very passionately in a plane. So. Wow. I always feel sick on planes. I don't understand how people can have sex in like a plane toilet. I didn't have toilet. sex in a plane toilet. I just need to make that clear. That did not happen. Like in a plane toilet, it's like the most cramped, smelly, like unpleasant place in the world. Oh, I don't that's that's people disgusting. Do that. But I, I get the impression it's normally people doing it who are like, in, they're in the first class area where, you Big know, it's enormous. They have a staircase toilet. sometimes to get up there. You know, it's, it's going to be not a lot nicer. I've had sex in a train toilet and that wasn't fancy or glamorous at all. It was quite smelly, actually. But public transport definitely turns me on in quite uncommon ways. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. It's the rumbling. It's the Cause, rumbling, Because you're rumbling yes. and daydreaming at the same time. Good it's vibrations. Like rum- yeah. Rumbling daydream. Yeah. Mm. I often sit on like the warm, you know, like on the back of the bus, it's quite a warm bit sometimes. I bet that's what I like to sit, yeah. It's on the motor. So yeah, I think you should one. give the car thing a try. You need to, you know, mix, the, mix <laughs> it up and get some drivers. Drive. Yeah. Well, no, because um, if they're driving, that is a health and safety hazard. You need to go out with someone who's got a friend who's a driver. What, so the friend's just going to drive us somewhere? And we have to, I, I think that's, that's more strange. That's also that's dogging. dogging. That's basically dogging. Um, but yeah, I've definitely had my share of, you know, romance on a train or on a bus. Um, okay, so we're going to talk about sex drives now, not our vehicular sex encounters um what do we think about the kind of idea of sex drives what does it really mean like having a low high what is a sex drive what does that mean to everyone is it like fancying people does it mean you want to have like want to bone those people is it to do with like wanting to masturbate does that count what do people think sex drives are? i think it's slightly different from the urge 
to masturbate. For me, anyway, I feel like the drive of wanting, you know, someone else and to engage with someone else sexually is comes from a very different place to wanting to kind of be in your own space and yeah, you know, kind of give yourself a bit of self-pleasure. For me, I definitely feel like the idea of sex drive is it's not just purely about I want to have sex now and it's a release that goes it's more just like a general kind of drive that motivates me to you know bother doing my hair or like wearing makeup not always exclusively this but you know it makes me want to feel attractive and flirt with people and it just kind of powers some way about my interaction with the world um and you know keeps things exciting no matter where you are who you're with it propels something forward um but you know in literature and books there's a lot of stuff where they look at sex drive as not just being about sex it's about what impulse pushes you forward what makes you ambitious aggressive want to do well in sport and i i definitely think there's something in that it kind of goes above and beyond sex I disagree with that. Ooh. <laughs> Debate. But, yeah, this never happens. But, but I just mean, you know, from a personal perspective, I've never found that, like, wanting to look nice one evening or anything like that, for me, has anything to do with sex. It has to do with just, like, I want to look nice or um, I want to do these drawings or they're all very self-contained and to do with that thing. Maybe I'm just not connecting enough dots, but that's for the, for the now for now is how i feel it but like in terms of what you're saying like i i would definitely agree that masturbation and sex is very those are very different impulses for me as well maybe that's just more comp- compartmentalizing um but i'd say that it's like yeah uh it's about also the other person that you want to have sex with and not just about your own drive i for me again i'm not generalizing this for other people um and what do you think like what would you consider a higher low sex drive for me personally um i i just think that my drive isn't a regular day in day out thing in terms of wanting to have sex um every day i might look for desire from someone else or might feel a sense of desire which could be channeled into any sort of number of situations. But, you know, I don't necessarily want to have sex every day and I would rather have quality over qu- uh, quantity and do it like once a week or something. But my what what normally happens is that it's a very hormonal cycle where there's, you know, a week where I just seem to give off these like hormones and attract people and also feel very kind of aroused generally. Um, and then I'll have a few weeks where that isn't the case. Um what would be unusual for me is if I had several months where I just didn't want to have sex because that would show that it wasn't a, you know, a normal cycle for me. And that's it probably only happened every now and then. So I guess like to everyone else, what does influence your sex drive? Like what kind of things? So you're talking about your kind of hormones on a kind of cycling, cyclical, cyclical, cyclical mm-hmm. um, level. What about everyone else? When are you most likely to want to have sex or least likely? For me, it's a time of day thing. So I'm not really an evening person because I'm generally very tired. And so like <laughs> more of like you a, want to sleep, yeah. a morning after. Yeah, I would privilege sleeping over boning, I think. <laughs> many, <laughs> many a time. I, I, I like going to sleep when I'm tired. It's just a natural thing for me. I think for me, if I'm tired, I can't really enjoy sex. Yeah. Like I don't, I can have sex, but I'm like, yeah, half of my brain is kind of switched off. I find it quite difficult to enjoy it if I'm really tired. It's exhausting. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. For um, me, it's definitely seasonal. I kind of go through this cycle like an animal that in winter I hibernate and I really have 
a relatively low sex drive, like I don't mind having sex, but if I don't have it, then it's not a problem. And then comes spring and like I'm bombarded with hormones and I have this sudden desire to mate anytime, anywhere with anyone. Not that it happens that much, but I do have that a lot. So I feel it's a winter and summer cycle for me. I think in terms of days, I definitely I, I kind of prefer the morning. That's when I would like choose to have sex. And the, earlier you were saying you like the afternoon, but I think afternoon sex makes me feel depressed because like I shouldn't be in bed at that time, and I know I shouldn't. And I should be doing something better in my life and more productive. And like obviously, sex is kind of productive, but like that makes me feel a bit sad. Mm. I yeah, that's never bothered me. Do you ever get upset if you have too much sex? Yeah, definitely. If you've like been having sex like all morning and then suddenly it's like five p.m., then I'm like, what have I done with my day? And you've this not, not had a good shower. Use of my time. And you've not made any food. And you're hungry, yeah. Then you're like hungry and you've got to go find food. And you're like food. crying because you've had too much sex and you've not done anything. And you leave the day. house and it's dark outside and you go and get like a mixed mezze platter and you're like, I just need to eat this whole Sounds mixed mezze platter. Specific. <laughs> We've all been there, guys. We've all been there. So those are kind of like seasonal almost, I guess, or like day to day. But what about like in terms of our monthly cycles? Because I find this quite interesting. I think for me... Um, now, I've used this horrible word. I think it's really gross, but I don't know how you guys feel. When are we most horny in our cycle? I've been writing comments that it like, <laughs> makes me feel sick. The word horny. But why is it so gross? And what I would you know. say, though? Because I'm not sure. Like, turned on isn't exactly right, is it? Turned no. on is like the specific, like, exact yeah. moment. I feel like the word randy is the worst. No, and that's one of my friends horrible. always says, like, that she is feeling randy. And it just sounds like a kind of, like, an older man talking about it just like really, have, oh yeah yeah it seems like something out of the 70s <laughs> I, I think, think that's worse than horny I'd rather have horny any well, day like than my randy friend, um I remember a lot of my friends and it's a slightly different but um you know the book the book series like Ang- Angus Thongs and Full Frontal Snogging <laughs> got the horn. yeah she talks about having the cosmic horn when she kind of I mean it's more I guess about <laughs> fancying but like you know when you just fancy everyone yeah she talks about that and the cosmic horn I think is quite sweet for me it's ovulation like it almost coincides all every time with when I ovulate and I know that because I start noticing people much more like I walk in the streets or walk into the room and I suddenly have this bling in my head which is like oh you're a woman those are men you may fancy them and (laughs) then after a couple days I get my period like mathematically I, yeah, because that makes sense. Because it, it should, well, horm- on a hormonal level, like you're most fertile when you're ovulating, right? So it makes sense that like your body will be saying, like, find someone to fertilize me at that time. But like for me, it's, yeah, when I'm on my period, which doesn't really make sense. But I found some theories. But I want to know what everyone else says before I, uh, what about for your cycle? What the, what? Yeah, I guess so. Like a week or so after I finish my period, I will find strangers attractive which is very rare for me. It's very rare for me to, like, see someone in the street and find them attractive. That doesn't happen so often. But there's this, like, bit a few weeks after my cycle or, like, a week where... Not my cycle, I mean my bleeding time. Period. <laughs> That's the one. Uh, where Menzies. I'm, like, people, people are just kind of more attractive. I I feel like, for me, it's it's coincides with the period. And there's a sort of time of feeling really grim and having this awful period but also feeling like I've got the cosmic horn at the same time it's just frustrating and uncomfortable because there can be also a lot of crying involved there as well for various emotional reasons but yeah it doesn't really make any sense to me um sometimes when it happens I feel like I you know go from being someone who never gets chatted up to just walking down the street and it's like you're a magnet attracting people and it's almost like you're giving off something and I don't know what that is, but you go into a room and, you know, 
you can just tell that it's a more sexually charged atmosphere and it feels like there must be something that when I'm you're doing. when you're menstruating yeah almost do you think it's like you're a bit flushed because like you know you, really you know your body sweaty. temperature goes up when you're menstruating and people might find that attractive like a rosy cheeked really sweaty very greasy hair and people love that this spot on my chin that oh yeah the know, classic yeah, oh, the classic just, grinfeld yeah. spot i, I, I actually haven't got it this time <laughs> yeah i have yeah i've got a mini one um well i kind of looked into it because like as we're saying it, it doesn't really on kind of biological level make sense you know, you're not going to have a baby. You can't, well, you can get pregnant on your period, guys, like little public service <laughs> announcement, but it's very unlikely. So it wouldn't really make sense for you to feel so cosmic horny. I tried to combine <laughs> the two. But I've got a couple of um, theories here that I think make sense. So one theory is that there's a lot of discharge pre-period because you're starting the process of shedding your uterine lining. And so when things are kind of wetter there, you make, you feel more sensitive, you feel aroused. I think feeling sensitive is definitely part of it. Yeah, I think that's it. That's a good theory. Another one that I think is interesting is that you're retaining water in your pelvic region before your period and that bloated feeling also puts a good amount of pressure on your G-spot, which makes it sensitive. That makes, sounds like it makes sense, but it also seems quite unlikely because... Yeah, I'm so bloated I don't that I feel just like to have sex. The bloating <laughs> is in your vagina. I think it's kind of more... But I think it's putting pressure, yeah. And, I, I don't know. And then someone's helpfully, helpfully written, the hormone shift... I don't think anyone knows exactly what would cause someone to get horny due to hormones. So I won't try and explain that one. Thank you for that um, I love the article. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I guess that like, you just flooded with hormones and maybe like it's a kind of, I don't know, happy coincidence that, that happens. Um, also, of course, you've got your, your extra lubrication, which is very useful. Um, okay, so what about us? Do we think we have like high or low sex drives generally? I would identify as someone with a low sex drive, I think. Just, I just think that it's like, it's definitely it doesn't come from me. It always comes from the other person. And I need, I need like external influence to make me want to feel stuff. I think that the, the times when that is not true is after some drinks. And then I you're mean, anyone's. I can, I'm sure many, pe- many people can identify with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think... I think mine is quite high when I'm in a relationship. When it's like available to me, when when there's sex available, then it's quite high. Um, but like, I can also do without it quite well. Like, I've had a lot of my, years of my life without having sex, and like, I've done just fine, I think. So yeah, I think it just depends on the situation. But yeah, definitely, when I'm in a relationship, I want to have sex all the time, which is not always an option with some people. I have the opposite, I think. Like, when I'm in a stable relationship, I don't need to have sex all the time, and I'd much rather to have, like, good sex sometimes. Whereas when I don't have a relationship, it's almost like I have this fear of running out of sex partners, so I have to... And it builds up my sex drive a lot more. That's a bit how I approach eating crisps. Like, go on, (laughs) pray tell. (laughs) If there are a lot of crisps, I I feel like I'll, I'll pace myself a bit more. But if there aren't a lot, I want to eat them all immediately. Yeah. I mean, that's the sex and crisps. <laughs> Just a thought. But I guess it also makes sense on one level. Like, obviously, sometimes, you, you know, you want to have sex, you want the physical pleasure, etc. But, like, also part of it is, like, bonding with someone and, like, kind of creating that intimacy. And once you're already in a relationship, there's, like, less need to continuously, like, make sure that you've got that, you know, creating that bond because you're um, already bonded. You need space as well. And if you're too intense and you spend too much time to each other, you can quite easily go in the friend zone. Or you just, you know, you crave crave having a bit of, you know, personal space and room to think and take some time out. And then after a couple of weeks of maybe not having sex, you can really go back into it and kind of bond. But, you know, as soon as you feel like you're doing something because you should or 
and you know it's not spontaneous and it's not coming from just a natural kind of place and you're not on the same page it's really hard to you know make that romantic romantic and instinctive um and you you know in that situation i'd rather take time out and then go back to it again um so if our sex drive is low do we see that as a problem like do we worry about it how do we feel when that happens i i sometimes in the past have worried about it but you know in the past i've had um what i would say are quite sexually dysfunctional relationships to the point of you know not actually being able to have sex and having a lot of pain during sex and if you've gone from being very happy in your sex life and feeling really comfortable with it and then literally not being able to and feeling like you may never have sort of sex again in the way that you're used to to come back out of that and now have a very happy sex life that has meant the world to me um and I don't think I'll ever have that same kind of fear again I hope but you know in the past that caused me a lot of anxiety because I really felt like I lost a part of myself and who I was I think I started off from a baseline of I think just because I got my period so late of just like feeling totally asexual and I didn't really understand why people felt attracted to each other at all for years and like it was more of like a social thing where I was like oh that person's really amazing or that person's really cool and then like there's been like slow and gradual shifts in different directions sometimes I feel like that and then sometimes I don't so it's it's like I don't know it's I guess it's unclear but it was helpful yeah it was helpful for a while just to have these little boxes to put myself in but it's not always always the best thing because yeah I think it's interesting to I think you have identified as asexual but maybe now you don't so much and like what would you how would you identify now and do you find it helpful to have those labels yeah yeah so so the labels I don't think are useful as like uh sort of um externalizing things I think they're useful for me to like and to to understand other people as well and sort of find other people who are similar um, but in terms of how I identify now, I definitely say I'm bisexual. But I think that varies from moment to moment as well. Um, like, I think I'm more attracted to different genders at different moments. And it's uh, that's a little bit confusing. But um, but I think that the shift from asexual to bisexual was uh, was very jolty. And so and so having a box where you're like, I'm definitely this or I'm definitely that is actually quite stressful. And I wouldn't want to, like, say I'm definitely this because just because it's it's well, I know this is a word that gets bandied along around a lot, but it's very fluid and it can be one thing one hour and another thing the other. And it's just not fair to say, like, this is 100 percent what I am. Um, Yeah. I think we, like, at the same time learn about the term demisexual, which yeah. I think is quite interesting, and it's kind of like, well, actually, the definition here is a person who does not experience sexual attraction unless they form a strong emotional connection with someone, which kind of, like, you know, would make sense, really, I guess. But I think, like, for some people, obviously some people have, like, one-night stands, some people can't do that. And, like, when, I, when we heard that term, I think, I don't know, I think we both kind of really took it on board because I think it made me realise that um, I, I kind of, like, I can have, like, sex with, like, a stranger... And I can have sex in a relationship. But, like, in between that, I find quite difficult. So, like, to, like, date someone and then sleep with them, like, I find really bizarre. Mm. I don't like having, you know, because, like, you don't really know them. That's quite hard for me. And I do feel like I kind of, I realise that in previous relationships, when I started dating someone, I kind of pressured myself to have sex with them because I thought that was, like, the right thing to do. Like, it was, like, kind of, we've dated for a while, now sex. Yeah. But actually, for me, it's, like, a lot more, like, 
I've been friends with this person for ages, then I realize I fancy them, then, you know, then it's already set up. Yeah, I don't know. I've done a bit of both. Like, I have had sex on a second date, and that was excellent. So <laughs> I don't want to say, like, I'm. That was that's another thing with demisexual. It's, it just feels like all of these definitions have, can be very rigid, and there are definitely elements of being demisexual that I... Uh, especially when we were at that conference where I was like, wow, this really, really describes me and other people were describing their intimate lives. And I was like, that is just like me and I've never heard anyone describe it so accurately before. And it felt like a massive release. But at the same time, there are moments in my life where I haven't been that and I wouldn't want to like say, this is definitely what I am. I definitely think that sex with someone that I don't know, I can't really do that generally um because i get really really anxious and like shake so i'm just physically incapable of doing anything but um but if it's like yeah someone that you know or that you have a sort of connection with and it's it, the term just becomes a lot more flexible um on some like little research i did i guess because like, the the kind of assumption that we have is that like men have higher sex drives than women and the reading that i've done around that has kind of implied that like men and women are basically equivalent in their, their level of sex drive and there's more variation within the sexes or within the genders. Um, but, like, I just think it's kind of important to note because we have this assumption that, like, men have a higher sex drive, I find that quite harmful because I think that you kind of assume that they always want to have sex and then when they don't want to, you feel quite rejected because it's like, well, men always want to have sex and if he doesn't want to have sex with me, what's wrong with me? Um, and I kind of wonder if anyone else experienced that and also maybe like having slightly different sex drives to your partner like how does it affect your relationships I what have, do you do I'm having this at the moment it's the first time I'm dating someone that has a higher lower sex drive than me and I find it really odd although it's pleasant because it's new but at the same time I never know I always initiate sex and then at some point I'm asking whether I'm coercing them into sex or harassing them and they seem to be really enjoying but they never do the extra step to like take me to bed and then I don't know what to do it's quite upsetting sometimes and but also allows me to reflect a little bit more about how the other person's feeling so that's nice and I've had the opposite situation where I was in a long-term relationship for four years leaving with a guy and he wanted to have sex every single day and that was daunting because I'm not a Monday to Friday sex person at all. I'd rather like have sex for five hours on Sunday and then sleep it off for the rest of the week rather than like Monday morning, let's do it because the clock is ticking and we have to be at work at eight. Like I live that as a nightmare. That's, so. Yeah, that's pretty stressful. Sometimes I feel like, you know, we can be conditioned um, as women to expect that level of constant desire from from a you know a partner and sometimes it just becomes like you were saying you know you can be so easily offended but if you turn those tables you know I when I have kind of like almost pestered my boyfriend um for sex and I've, I've been offended and um, when he hasn't wanted to he kind of turns around and says you know like don't harass me how would you feel if I really did this to you would you go to your friends and say he's so inconsiderate and stuff and sometimes I think other men and women don't take it so seriously that a woman can actually really put a lot of pressure on a guy and make them feel really rubbish about it and it's not just a joke you know and I think also there's a kind of, I think something we've, we've talked about before is a kind of like boundary of like, if you want to have sex a bit, if you're not really sure, like where, you know, where does a boundary lie where you're going to not, when you're going to say no. I think it's quite hard sometimes to find that boundary within yourself of like, 
oh, I don't really mind, so I guess we'll just start having sex and see, or like, I actively, like, you know, when does it get to an actively, I don't actually want to. I think that's quite hard sometimes to note within yourself, and then you start having sex, and then then you find out. Um, I think we're about to run out of time, so I just want to say thanks, Freddie, for all your engineering. Thank you. Yeah, uh, thanks, amazing. Powder, thank you. Thanks, Powder, for coming on the show. Thank um, you. Oh my God, thanks. this is very emotional, but I'm sure we'll have more recordings together, so I'm not going to get too, too teary. Uh, and yeah, we're going to be on break anyway because it's summer holidays, so I think we're going to leave with the song Time to Pretend, which is on the movie, motion picture soundtrack to the movie Sex Drive. See what we did there. Um, yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. It's by MGMT. Find us on Twitter at VRW Radio. And ACAST iTunes podcast is on there. Thanks. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.